Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station. Lollipop, lollipop, Good afternoon, delight, and welcome to the show that is sugary spiceness and everything niceness on OCRFM, which is 98.3 across Colac and District, 88.7 FM along the coast, and streaming online at ocrfm.org.au. How's it going, Max? Yeah, good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> How's your weekend? Good. Been up to mischief? Yeah, sort of. Sort of? What have you been up to? Uh, Dad and I went to the car show yesterday. Ah, of course, yes. Yeah. Didn't get too wet. <laughs> uh, bit wet. <laughs> bit wet. You avoided yeah. most of the rain. Yeah. Seen some good things. Uh-huh. Yeah. What did you uh, get along to see? Uh, Tarana's. Mm-hmm. Uh, couple of more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Bit of Bit of a mix of Tarana heaven, was it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, nice and shiny. Yeah. Anything catch your eye? You uh, think, yeah, that's mine in a few years' time? <laughs> a couple, yeah. Yeah? So, Tarana's being your favourite by the sound of it? Uh, one of my favourite, yeah. One of your favourites. Excellent. Well, well done to uh, the Colac RSL for pulling it off. It would have been uh, unpredictable weather all weekend. So, very tricky to organise an event like that. Thankfully, sounds like a lot of people enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, let's take a quick trip around the world and check out what's in the Yum Box this week. Okie dokie, Max, can you remind us where in the world we are with our Yum Box at the moment? It's the Netherlands. And what have we got this week? Um, sour watermelon candies and sour violet candies. Righto, okay. Sour, sour, sour. What are we going to kick off with first? Uh, watermelon. The watermelon ones, okay. Yeah. So in 1987, the year of my birth, the Dutch company Coppet Cress discovered the world's smallest watermelon in South America, and they did what anyone else would do. What do you think? If you found the world's smallest watermelon, what would you do with it? I don't know. They took it back to the Netherlands to grow more. <laughs> so this um, chew is based on that uh, that flavour of the official world's smallest watermelon, um, I don't know what you call it, breed not chain. <laughs> so it's apparently a lip-puckering, mind-blowing sourness. And I'm looking a bit worried because the uh, cartoon that they have <laughs> on the outside of the packaging looks a tad wild to me. Dr. Sour, I can see, written on the outside. 
and it says a burst of watermelon with every chew. Do you want to describe the the funky looking face on the outside of the package? Uh, scientist guy. <laughs> Looks similar to the warheads. Yeah. I would have thought warheads face. Now, as I've opened up mine, what what does yours look like? Uh, pink and green. Pink and green, yeah. Looks like a, I don't know, a small, it's not even a fully rounded shape. It's kind of squashed together. It looks like two different colours have just been smacked together. It's a light pink, light green colour. Looks harmless enough, but the fact that they're calling it sour watermelon, I'm I'm very wary of. <laughs> Down the hatch, let's find out what it's like. Does it indeed have... A, uh, a burst of watermelon in every chew. I can't even chew, that's hard. It's like a very, very, very hard um, bubble gum, mm. outer layer, extremely chewy, and yes, indeed, there's that sour hit, which would be made of, it's almost tastes fully like a mouthful of citric acid. <laughs> oh, gosh. What are you thinking? That's good. Good. Yeah, you're a big fan of uh, sour things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Owie. That um, tickles the taste buds. Once you've had a couple of chews of the citric acid, you can deplete the flavour. What's your thoughts on the watermelon aspect? It's like the artificial watermelon flavour. Yeah. Watermelon's hard to get right because it has a very unique flavour. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I keep just getting that sour tang, a very citrusy taste, which is overpowering any of the natural watermelon flavour. Mm-hmm. Which I'm assuming that if you're going for a sour watermelon candy, that's that's what you'll want, I guess. Mm. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, what's your thoughts? Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up? Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm possibly not on board with that one, but I'm not a huge fan of sour candy. We'll try then uh, the... What was the next one on the... The sour violet candies, just to get them all over and done with in one fell swoop. So, you know the old stop um, and smell the roses? Is there one for violets? I don't think there would be. Apparently, the Kuchenhof Garden in the Dutch town of Lies, formerly known as the Garden of Europe, is an 80-acre spectacle refreshed with 7 million flower bulbs every year. They have tulips, daffodils and violets amongst uh, some of the 7 million flowers, but not all Dutch flowers are for sniffing. Some, like the ones used in this particular candy, uh, the unique violet flavour are for savouring for a full six minutes, according to the candy innovators who made it. So apparently you should be able to taste this uh, ball candy for at least six minutes straight with a very pleasant violet flavour. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never tasted violet before, Max. Neither. No. So this one's very spherical. It's uh, totally round, almost like ball lollipop without the stick. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that if it's violet flavoured, they would have made it violet coloured. 
But what colour is it? Pink. Pink, yeah. So whether or not they've waste, wasted a uh, an opportunity there, I don't know. But uh, pop that under your tongue. Let us know. What, ooh, actually, that's a quite unique taste. A bit peppery almost. Mm. So it's a sugar bay, citric acid, natural flavours, concentrated vegetable juice for the colour. How do you describe the taste of violets? <laughs> I don't know. I can smell it, which is odd. For anyone who's a regular listener of the show and knows that I've got no sense of smell, I think I can smell the taste of this lolly, if that makes sense. The the sugary element to it is just your kind of regular lollipopish sort of taste. But the actual taste of violet, it's pleasant enough. But yeah, it's a, it's got kind of a, 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 a not a burning sensation. What is that? Peppery. Yeah, I guess it's peppery. Mm. Doesn't matter how many million times I roll it around my tongue, it is quite long lasting. But do I like it? Are you, are you in the same quandary that I am? Whether you like the taste or not? Because mm. it's not. It's not sharp like lemon or lime or any other citrus taste. Like the sour candy, it did have that watermelonish taste to it, and it kind of smacked you straight in the tongue. But this, it's, yeah, got a bit of bite to it, but I'm not sure if it's the the super sweet sugary taste that's making that, or if it's the actual violet <laughs> flavour. <laughs> it's, it's knocked Max for six. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm going to go by- one thumb up. Yeah, this might have to be a savour the flavour kind of one to um, to look forward to. Violet flavoured <coughs> round candy. Sorry, I will let Max die quietly as we uh, head off to the break. Hopefully I'll return with a co-host. <laughs> we will see as uh, we pack away the yum box for this week and we'll be back to have a look at the history of this week's topic. an afternoon delight to have a look at this week's topic which uh, is hot cross buns max mm. what do you think of when you think of hot cross buns um uh buns with crosses on them. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the title um now i have uh, you know bitten the bullet and jumped in a little bit early because they are associated with easter and you wouldn't know sometimes with how early they come out on the shelves. Pretty much Christmas comes, the shelves are dusted off, farewell to gingerbread houses and Christmas cakes and outroll the hot cross buns. But it's a special spiced sweet bun made with fruit, marked with a cross on the top, traditionally eaten on Good Friday um, uh, around the world. But... Uh, that's only tradition. The bun marks the end of Lent, and so the different parts of the hot cross bun have certain meanings, including the cross itself representing the crucifixion, and the spices inside are to signify the spices used to embalm Jesus during the crucifixion. Did you know that? 
Yeah, well, in many historically Christian countries, plain buns made without any dairy products, which is forbidden in Lent until Palm Sunday, they're traditionally eaten hot or toasted during Lent, beginning with Shrove Tuesday, which was early last, well, late last month, uh, all the way through to Good Friday. Now, Good Friday is a little way away yet. Um, The Greeks have cakes with marked crosses ever since 6th century AD. And so there's this theory that the hot cross bun originated in England, where Brother Thomas Rodcliffe, a 14th century monk, developed a recipe called the Alban bun and distributed it to the local poor on Good Friday, starting in 1361, and created the folklore around the hot cross bun that way. In the time of Elizabeth I of England, kind of 1500s, the London clerk of markets issued a decree forbidding the sale of hot cross buns and any other spice bread except at burials on Good Friday or Christmas. So imagine if supermarkets were only allowed to sell hot cross buns, and bakeries, of course, but only allowed to sell them on Good Friday or at Christmas, and that's it. When you think of how mass-marketed they are these days, the punishment transgressed um, for the decree was forfeiture of all forbidden product to be given to the poor. As a result of the decree, hot cross buns at the time were primarily made in domestic kitchens. Further attempts to suppress the sale of the items took place during the reign of King James. um, So he was trying to have them outlawed, except for religious ceremonies. But the first definite record of hot cross buns comes from a London street cry. Good Friday comes this month, the old woman runs with one or penny, two or penny hot cross buns. You might have heard a rhyme a little bit similar to that. Mm-hmm. So the buns are made in London during the 18th century, but when you start looking for any records or recipes earlier than that, that's where you come up blank. Traditional English folklore includes many superstitions surrounding hot cross buns. One of them says that a bun baked and served on Good Friday will not spoil or grow mouldy during the subsequent year. (laughs) Can you imagine trying to keep a spiced fruit bun in your cupboard for a whole year without it going off? I don't think so. Another encourages keeping hot cross buns for medicinal purposes. And a piece of it given to someone ill is said to help them recover. Now, I know they taste good, but do they really heal the sick? Uh, apparently, if taken on a sea voyage, hot cross buns will protect you against a shipwreck. Or if you hang them in the kitchen, they're said to protect against fire and ensure that all the bread you bake turns out perfectly, as long as you replace the hanging bun each year. <laughs> I think that'd be a bit gross. Uh, In major supermarkets, there are various um, variations to the traditional recipe. Around the world, you have toffee flavour, orange and cranberry, salted caramel, chocolate, apple cinnamon hot cross buns. They uh, keep increasing the, the market away from the traditional hot cross bun, as it were. In Australia, there are some coffee-flavoured buns sold as well, sticky date or caramel versions. Uh, newer variations include cherry, butterscotch, banana and caramel, or white chocolate and raspberry. 
And in Slovakia, uh, a similar cake is made of sweetbread eaten around Easter with the cross marked on top. Um, and something I've been looking for or suggesting for many years since starting this program is the not cross bun. Just That's, the bun without the cross. Yeah, it's the same ingredients without that marking on top. So Sonoma Baking Company in Sydney was the first commercial um, sold not cross bun in Easter 2012 when it was piped with an S for the name of their bakery instead. Mm-hmm. So just a year after I suggested it on this show. <laughs> Took a while for someone to take it up. Thanks, Sonoma Baking, for tuning into Afternoon Delight. I'm sure it was us that gave you that idea. But, uh, yeah, lots of different fruit buns. Um some of the other similar ones out there are the Sally Lun bun, the Bath bun, the Pasha Ahapam, which is an unleavened Passover bread made by St. Thomas Christians of India. Um, there are other foods that have religious symbolism around them, but this is probably the closest associated uh, when it comes to Easter, which will be coming up all too soon. <laughs> um, Easter this year... Um, falls or the the date um of easter falls at the very start of the school holidays so it'll be school holidays start on good friday mm-hmm. april the 4th so there you go that's a bit of a brief history of uh, the hot cross bun one a penny two a penny we will take a quick break and we'll be back to play a little game, see if Max can identify uh, a blind taste test here on Afternoon Delight with some of the hot cross bun flavours that we've got. But feel free to jump on the Afternoon Delight Facebook page and uh, let us know what's your thoughts around hot cross buns. Should they be out on the shelves this early? Are you a traditionalist and only eat them during hot cross bun week of Easter? Or do you have a favourite flavour? Or you can text in 0439 329 713. Okie dokie, Max. It is time and afternoon delight to pit your wit against uh, some hot cross bun flavours. Now, as we said, there are some traditional hot crust bun flavours of just a spiced fruit bun. However, there's also other flavours that have been added to the market in recent years as hot crust buns have become more commercial. Do you have a favourite other than hot crust bun flavour flavour? Not really. <laughs> Not really? But you've got in your head what hot crust bun tastes like. We spent quite a while on uh, Afternoon Delight and... Uh, previous year the entire month was dedicated to hot crust buns hot crust bun flavoring in other things we had hot crust bun flavored ice creams and uh, uh, yogurts and all sorts of things like that today we'll see if uh, all that's paid off so i've got four different hot crust hot crust buns for you to uh, see if you can identify uh, if it's a traditional flavor or if it's an alternate flavor and uh, it's a an honesty blind test. Max is going to be closing his eyes as I pass across the studio to him uh, one of these hot cross buns. So, here we go. 
see if you can work out whether it's a traditional one or whether or not it's something in between, maybe a bit of a, a different one. Okay, passing across. So Max has half a hot cross bun in his hands. He's giving it a bit of a feel test. Oh, this is different to the sniff. See if that tastes any different or uh, or not. Don't know. What do you think with that one? Any taste sensations? Not really. <laughs> Does it taste like a traditional hot cross bun or yeah. something different? Traditional. Traditional? Yeah. Okay. I'll let you open your eyes. So that one, mm. it is a traditional fruit bun, but you'll notice something different about it. Mm-hmm. It's a brioche style. So while it still has the traditional uh, fruit flavours throughout it, the uh, the texture is quite different to a hot crust bun. What did you notice about it? Mm. It was more doughy. Yeah, kind of a light, fluffy, um, a bit airier, I guess. Mm. And um, not flaky as such, but still got the the sultanas and currants and stuff through it. So yes, point one there. <laughs> that is technically a traditional hot cross bun just made in a different style. Are you ready for round two? Yep. Okie dokie. So passing across the studio to Max in a very COVID safe manner. <laughs> Stop laughing, Max. Righto, he has another half hot cross bun in his hands. Oh, he didn't even go for the field test with that one. Just went straight for the the chomp. What are you thinking with that one? Mulling it over. Chocolatey. Very chocolatey, you think? Mm-hmm. So your thoughts then? Chocolate. <laughs> it is a chocolate cross bun, yes. You can open your eyes up. This one has not only chopped chip through it, but the dough itself looks to be cocoa-based. Mm-hmm. So instead of uh, fruit pieces, it has chocolate, which melts through. Are you a fan of the chocolate cross bun? Mm-hmm. I would have thought they would have done a chocolate cross on it. They still use the traditional white cross, mm. but they could have, uh, you know, done a brown cross on it. Some of the other ones out there, like the uh, mocha or uh, even maybe the caramel ones, have different coloured crosses, so it's not entirely out of the question. Mm-hmm. What's the major differences between those two, the brioche and the choc? Um, this one's more cocoa-y. <laughs> Very cocoa-y, yeah. And it's um, um, less fluffy. <laughs> less fluffy, yeah. Actually, it's a denser um, a mix, definitely. Okie dokie, we've got another one coming your way. Let me know what you think of this one. Now I'm looking at it and I can actually see on the inside-outside what it is. What, what are you thinking is your munch on that one? Apple and cinnamon. Apple and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Very strong taste. Mm-hmm. So is it a traditional uh, bun then if it's got apple and cinnamon through it? I think so. So it's fruitless, this one, um, in the sense that it doesn't have the sultanas, but the fruit 
that replaces it is apple. So technically not a traditional hot cross bun, because even though it's a spiced fruit bun, there's no sultanas and the like through the mix. So yeah, take a look if you like, but um, the pieces, I think the apple must be through the the dough, because when you open up the, what do you notice about that? There's little dots of cinnamon, but Mm. can't say any apple. You can taste it, but you can't see it. That's quite concerning. So the description is, Australian pink lady apples and sweet cinnamon chips. But I don't know whether they've grated it through or yeah, it doesn't it doesn't say. But you can certainly taste the the apple cinnamon. It's a, a good blend. Mm-hmm. Have you had a preference so far out of those three? Apple cinnamon, pretty nice. Yeah. Okay, lucky last. The excitement of a guessing game on the radio <laughs> for all the listeners at home going. Well, what's he got in his hand? There's only one way to find out. It's a taste test. So Max has kind of fiddled it around his hand a little bit, then gone straight for another big bite. Don't know what this is. Don't know what it is. Is there any discernible feature that's a bit different from the other three you've had so far? Um, I don't really know how to describe it. <laughs> okay. Max has taken another nibble. He's definitely pondering this one. Is this like apricot or something? It's not apricot, no. No idea. What's making you think apricot? Taste. The taste? Mm. I, I would have gone a little bit with the texture in your fingers. You were uh, kind of mulling it over. What do you notice about your fingers as you were eating that piece? Sticky. <laughs> a lot stickier, yeah. That is a traditional hot cross bun. <laughs> so it's the glaze that's um, sticky on your fingers. But there you go. That's just a traditional fruited hot cross bun. Oh. So after tasting all those different ones, <laughs> it kind of messes with your senses, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But that is the uh, just a regular old spice bun with fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't try and trick you with a fruitless or anything like that. But, um, yeah, uh, a recipe as old as time almost. Mm -hmm. Well, at least back to the 1500s. Out of that lot, you had four different flavours. How would you rank them? Probably the apple cinnamon. Mm -hmm. Then the brioche. Then the... um, normal and the chocolate chocolate last yeah the chocolate as as novelty value as it is it it just seems too far left to center having chocolate bread (laughs) you might have like nutella as a chocolate spread on bread but that said one of the things when i used to work at a bakery uh there was a lady that used to always come in and ask for toasted raisin loaf which is similar in taste to a hot cross bun and she'd have it spread with Nutella and it's the most amazing taste combination that I can recommend to people Uh, because the Nutella gets all hot and gooey of course and um, yeah it's it's one of those don't knock it till you try it sort of things 
But uh, there you go. We'll stick those up. There are so many other flavours out there. I could have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> on all the different hot cross bun flavours. Uh, I saw when I was looking through these, yeah, as I said, things like caramel, um, mocha as a, a coffee flavour one. Uh, there was one called uh, Brick Road, but uh, they'd sold out of those, and I'm I'm wondering what that is. So if anyone's had the Brick Road flavoured hot cross buns, let us know. Uh, what what flavour is it? Like a, a honeycomb or a banana? Anyway, we'll be back after this with the sweetest tune. So you're listening to the Hot Cross Bun edition of Afternoon Delight. <laughs> It is time on Afternoon Delight for our sweetest tune. It seems logical to uh, have a certain song for our sweetest tune this week. What could it possibly be, Max? Hot Cross Buns. Hot Cross Buns. And uh, the song itself, as we said, is a traditional English tune. Um, And it's been around in print uh, almost as long as the Hot Cross Buns themselves. And so uh, history tells us that it was an English street cry to help sell the buns, um, referring to the the Easter buns. The song has a Roud Folk Index number of 13029. So that is the database of around 250 references to 25,000 songs collected from oral tradition around the world um, when they indexed all the traditional songs. So whenever you hear songs like Twinkle Twinkle or um, Bar Bar Black Sheep, they're all listed in a an index of you know, 25,000 different songs. <laughs> Someone went around and collected them all. <laughs> <laughs> so throughout the 18th century there was no standard version of the rhyme to be sung on Good Friday. Um, sometimes it said Good Friday comes this month, the old woman runs with one a penny two a penny hot cross buns. Or Iona and Peter Opie in their compilation of the 19th century children's verse um, have Tis Good Friday morning, the little boy runs along with his sister to buy hot cross buns. Her apron is full, yet her brother, the elf, unsatisfied still, must buy one for himself. That's a different version. So uh, let's take a listen to hot cross buns as performed by Magic Box here on uh, Afternoon Delight. Hot cross buns Hot cross buns One a penny, two a penny Hot cross buns If you have no daughters Give them to your sons One a penny, two a penny Hot cross buns Hot cross buns, hot cross buns One a penny, two a penny, hot cross buns If you have no daughters, give them to your sons One a penny, two a penny, hot cross buns 
that there is the traditional hot cross buns song as performed by Magic Box. We're humming along there, Max. <laughs> it's quite an iconic tune. Often if you're uh, learning to play a musical instrument, uh, it's one of those three-note simple songs mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're going up and down, uh, whatever instrument it is. Um, recorder often squeaking <laughs> squeaking out in primary schools. <laughs> um, but there you go. That is uh, Hot Cross Buns. We'll take a quick break here on Afternoon Delight and we'll be back to share a recipe with you. Afternoon delight, it is time for a recipe. Max, what are you teaching us how to make this week? Hot cross buns. Gee, I hadn't guessed that. <laughs> what do we need? Four cups of plain flour, one quarter of a cup of caster sugar, one and a half teaspoons of mixed spice, pinch of salt. One and a half cups of croissants, currants, no, (laughs) 40 grams of butter, 300 mils of milk, two eggs lightly beaten, half a cup of plain flour, four to five tablespoons of water, and for the glaze... Um, third of a cup of water, two tablespoons of caster sugar, butter to serve. And combine flour, yeast, sugar, mixed spice and salt current in a large bowl. Melt butter in a small saucepan over medium heat. Add milk. Heat for one minute or until lukewarm. Add warm milk mixture and egg current mixture. Use a flat bladed knife to mix until dough come almost comes together. Use clean hands to finish mixing to form a soft dough. Turn dough out onto a floured surface, kneading for 10 minutes or until dough is smooth. Place into a lightly oiled bowl covered with plastic wrap. Set aside in a warm drought-free place for one to one and a half hours or until dough doubles, doubles in size. Line a large baking tray with non-stick baking paper. Punch dough down to its original size and knead for 30 seconds on a lightly floured surface until smooth. Divide 
into 12 even portions, shaped each portion into a ball. Place balls onto a lined tray about one centimetre apart, covered with plastic wrap, set aside in a warm drought free place for 30 minutes or until buns double in size. Preheat oven to 190 degrees Celsius or 170 degrees um, Celsius fan forced. Make flour paste. Um, mix flour and water together in a small bowl till smooth. Add a little more water if paste is too thick. Spoon into a small snaplock bag. Snip off one corner of the bag. Pipe flour paste over top of buns to form crosses. Or if you want it to be something else, you can draw whatever you want. Put your initials on it if you so desire. (laughs) Bake for 20 to 25 minutes or until buns are cooked through. Making the glaze, you have to place water and sugar into a small saucepan over low heat. Stir until sugar dissolves. Bring to a bo- the boil boil for three to four minutes. Brush warm glaze over the warm hot cross buns. Serve warm or at room temperature. Or you can toast them as well. <laughs> <laughs> So there we go. It's a reasonably simple recipe. It does take quite a while to make, but uh, uh, does pay off in the end. <laughs> we'll take the shortest of short breaks to be back after this to open up this week's Kinder Surprise. Okay, Max, time to open up the Kinder Surprise, find out what is inside. Oh, that was reasonably easy. Mm-hmm. Chocolate just popped apart, even easier than the little plastic capsule thingity. What's inside this week? A little drag car thing. Oh, yep. <laughs> Looks like a two-piecer. Is that it? <laughs> oh, no. Still a little bit difficult to piece together, even though it's only two parts. Okay, well, Max checks out the instructions for that one. We'll have a quick flick through the Afternoon Delight Facebook page. Uh, Last week on the show, we were talking all about Paddle Pop and uh, Max the Paddle Pop Lion. A few people jumped on there and played the guessing game of which was my Max, (laughs) sharing the the Max of their childhood. Um, Didn't have much of a bite on the Afternoon Delight uh, head to head, which was your favourite paddle pop, pop flavour? Chocolate was the outright winner. Um, not enough love for the banana paddle pop in my books. Who, I want to know who's on team banana. But uh, this week we've already had quite a few bites on the 
the the big question today. Which of those unique hot cross bun flavours are you a fan of, or are there any that you're definitely not a fan of? Uh, Gracie says she hates the plain ones. What's the point? It's definitely traditional fruit for me. And Lynn says sometimes you cannot beat the original traditional option. However, she can be tempted with white chocolate and raspberry. So uh, plenty of different flavour options there for you to have a look at on the Afternoon Delight Facebook page and let us know what's your favourite hot cross bun flavour. For now, though, that's pretty much it. We are out of time. How are you going there with your race car, Max? Good. Are they two separate ones? They're two pieces uh, joined together. Okay, he's just putting stickers all over it to uh, hot lap it up. But that's it from us. We'll be back next Sunday to do it all again from 3pm and hope you can join us. If you want to get in contact, head to the Afternoon Delight Facebook page or email lolly at ocrfm.org.au See you next week. Uh-huh. Bye. See ya. And you know the night is always gonna be there anyway Thinking of you's working up my appetite Looking forward to a little afternoon delight Rubbing sticks and stones together makes the sparks ignite And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Skyline rockets in flight